This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 220. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. I'm cracking up because that rhythm that I just did was not a rhythm at all. It never is. You're always <laughs> don't so say that. Like you're you're so mean. <laughs> not true. Uh, anyway, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined by Lisa Clow of Lock Refine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing never better. Somebody uh, told, You were supposed to change it I, up? I got some emails, and people said, more than one said, don't change the doing never better. <laughs> like, oh, okay. well, there you go. <laughs> so that, that makes things easier maybe, for, maybe for us. All right. This is a show about color pencil, where we discuss... Anything and everything surrounding colored pencil, this medium that we love so much. So we've got a group of questions here that we're going to answer today, and these follow sort of a theme. Uh, they're kind of grouped together. Most of these questions came from a live stream you did this week, Lisa. Is that right? Yeah, it was the colored pencil where I'm using the just the 12 set of polychromos. Oh, did you do that? I, You know what? I love doing that. I think it's a good challenge. I think every beginning artist and even those that have been at it for a while ought to challenge themselves and do that. I love yeah. doing that, just limiting the palette. It brought out so I don't well, I can't say the artwork did, but we had some amazing questions that I thought would be really fun to chat the two of us about mm -hmm. um, from the live stream. So the first question was, how do you overcome your fear of posting your work online? And this was something that I had to deal with. For me, it was more YouTube. I really was never too afraid to post on forums and social media, but YouTube was the thing that I was more more afraid with. And I was mainly afraid of starting to teach. I mean, I know how to teach. My fear was people on the internet, you know, we, YouTube especially has that that stigma, I guess, of everyone being jerks. And so I was so afraid to teach anything because I, I just knew everyone was going to come on and tell me everything I did wrong. And that's right. not how you teach. And that's not how you do it. And I was terrified of that. And I did not do my first tutorial for quite a while. And what I realized is, for the most part, people are way nicer than you may expect them to be. You don't, I, I just expected all these nasty comments, and I do get nasty comments from time to time, but they are such a small fraction compared to all the positive feedback and the people who are so thankful for a lesson that taught them how to do something easily that they were looking to do. And I, I had to learn over the years, yeah, you're going to have those negative comments. Try to ignore them. I delete them um, just because I don't need to see it. Don't want that a part of my life if you want to be a jerk. I mean, constructive feedback's one thing, but people who are just being jerks, that's a problem with them, not with me. So I just delete them, forget about it. Luckily, I have a terrible memory, so I really do forget about most of them and move on. Now, for posting online, you can, it, an additional thing you can do to make yourself maybe a little bit more brave is post in a group that has rules that do not allow for unsolicited advice. One of the things that you think about with regard to 
having a fear of anything, uh, evaluate it first, figure out is it rational or not. If it's not rational, then think of the worst case scenario. So you're just fearing something. I mean, it's not, this is not like a bona fide phobia, right? I mean, it could be, right? But for the most part, you're probably just afraid of the unknown. You're afraid of what someone may or may not say, uh, and you're thinking they're going to say probably the worst thing that could be said about your artwork. So think of what that is. Like, um, you should never do artwork again. Please get a job. Don't ever post again. Think of whatever that is. And then think about how you're going to feel if something like that happens. Um, you're probably going to get over it at some point. You know, it's, it's not that big a deal. And so do it slowly. Post, post something. Wait a while. See how you felt about that. And then post something else, gauge the interaction, see what comments you get. Just keep going from there and you'll build up confidence over time and it won't be that big a deal to you anymore. If the fear of posting is because you're afraid of mean comments, remember that the most like my absolute favorite artists that I think are phenomenal and flawless and I love everything about them, they will get comments telling them that their work isn't real art. They will, I mean, crazy things that people will say to my absolute favorite artists. If it happens to them, of course, it's going to happen to the rest of us too. So don't take it too personally. You just have people on the internet who are jerks. Well, the nice thing about it is it it doesn't matter. I mean, they, they can have yeah. their opinion. It's just opinion. Art exactly. is very subjective. So so what if they don't like it? But don't take it personally that you're bad. You'll learn to grow a thick skin about it because it that's just their opinion. Same way with judging. You know, we could talk about that as well. If you get juried into a show or not. Yes. And then if you're uh, subjected to some judge's comments and you don't like what they had to say, uh, or they didn't give you what you thought you uh, deserved, you know, you didn't get a ribbon at all, or you got an honorable mention or nothing. Um, it's just that one person's opinion. It doesn't matter. It's subjective. All right. So I'm struggling with deciding when to be finished. I've been working on a charcoal piece forever, and my perfectionism keeps pushing me to make it look exactly like the reference. Any tips? I'm not sure how long you've been working on it, but... A charcoal piece, by and large, I mean, you can render those pretty quickly. And so if you uh, have it at a certain state and you start to change something, take a reference shot of it. Grab your phone, take a shot of it. And then if you're looking at it and you're thinking, ah, it just doesn't look the way I want it to or exactly like the reference, and then you change it and you work another hour or two on it, look at the reference before you changed it and then look at it afterwards and tell yourself or ask yourself the question, did that really make it any better? And if not, then you have at some point you just have to decide, okay, I'm not going to change anything else. I can work on this forever and I can change it all up, especially with charcoal. It's a very fluid medium. Or you can just say, I've learned some lessons from this. I'm going to take those lessons and apply those to my next piece. Now, the other thing that I would recommend doing, if you've gotten to a point where you're not sure if it's done, you probably don't need your reference photo anymore. You got what you needed out of the reference photo, put it away and decide, does it need anything from here? This is where you're an artist versus a photographer. Do you want to make something a little darker, a little lighter, but but judge the work as its own thing? I mean, like I said, if, you, if you've already know, if you're like, I'm not sure if it's done, you're done with the reference photo, then put it away. Just 
looking at that reference photo almost too much. And while I don't want to encourage people not to use a reference photo, you absolutely want that. But when you get to that very end, I will usually just put the reference photo away and look at my painting by itself or even come back the next day, like have a day where I didn't look at the reference photo and come back. I find that gives me a better perspective or, you know, fresh eyes to see what my painting might be or might need versus just trying to copy a reference photo exactly. With a goal of pursuing a career in fine art, should you go to college for administrative and entrepreneurship degrees? I would say absolutely not. I'm not saying that, uh, well, especially administrative um, things that that can be helpful, but it's also stuff you can learn online. So, and as far as the entrepreneurship thing, it makes no sense to me why you would go into debt or, or pay for a degree to for what you're I mean, the whole point of being an entrepreneur is to be your own boss. I'm not saying there wouldn't be valuable things to learn there. But you could learn those things online for free or through other courses about, you know, entrepreneurship. I think there are better, more cost efficient ways to do that than through college. And it's the same with getting a degree in fine art. It's not that there's no value in that. It's that when you put yourself in debt to start with, and that's how most people go to school, they take out all these student loans. That's not a good way to start your career as an artist or as an entrepreneur. If you have the money to spend and you can pay for it outright without going into debt, then yeah, sure, it might be helpful. But there are more cost-efficient ways to get the same information. And if your goal is fine art, then those degrees are not going to impress anybody. You're, you're putting yourself into debt for what? I don't think that they're going to help you enough to be worth going into debt to get. The thing about college is if you're wanting to go to school to learn something and you have the means of doing that and you think it's a worthwhile thing to enrich your experiences in life, then I would do it if you want to do it. But if you think it's a barrier to entry and you think that this is something that I've got to get over this hurdle first because I don't know about all these administrative tasks or any uh, of the things related to marketing and business, uh, which is why I'm guessing you're talking about entrepreneurship, because that's really what a fine art person does if they're trying to to sell or teach or anything related to their art. Um, I just think that that's a way of of procrastinating and not getting to the heart of the matter. Uh, there's probably something else that is going on, I would say. If if we were talking face-to-face and you were telling me, I, wa- I want to do art and I want to pursue a, a career in fine art, but I don't know yet how to approach a gallery or I don't know how to sell online or I don't know how to um, do the marketing, then one way of finding out could be to go to college, but that that takes four years or more and a whole lot of money. Oftentimes, I think what people are thinking in their mind is, is, is there something that I, you know, that I'm missing and that I cannot learn now, like, I think you said this, Lisa, that didn't you say something about a, uh, if you're wanting to be a doctor, did you mention yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So I agree with that. Talking about something that's highly skilled, if facing brain surgery, I want to see a plaque on the wall and I want to make sure that my physician, my surgeon has some hours behind him where he had to sit in classroom. He also did clinicals and he spent time doing this on someone else first. I hope I'm not his first. (laughs) If you're talking about fine art, you can learn all this stuff. You can, you can research and learn these things. Often what happens is 
we we just don't want to get out of our comfort zone. You know, we we just don't want to make a call. We don't want to send an email. We don't want to post something. We don't want to take the time to read something uh, online. We don't want to figure something out. That's really what would stand in our way. And I agree, you do not need a BFA or an MFA to be a successful artist. And no offense to those that have those degrees. That's great and that's fine. But it's not a necessary requirement in order to be a fine artist. You know, one of the things that I've heard so many times over the years from students that had a degree in art yet came to me for art lessons, I've heard so many times that they learned more from me in a few weeks of classes than they learned four years of, in four years of college. I've heard the same thing, yeah. It really depends on who your teacher is, and that can be in college or it can be outside of college. And I think one of the things that that we've been put, had pushed on us since we, I know, since I was in, in elementary school. I mean, you go to college. That's what you do. You go to college when you're done with high school. And I don't think that's necessarily true. You can do a trade school. Now we've got so much information online. You can teach yourself just about anything. I mean, please don't teach yourself to be a brain surgeon, but right. you know, you can teach yourself so many things. And so when it comes to something where you want to be self-employed, especially... We've gotten to a point where colleges realized, oh, we're going to get um, loans. Anybody can get a loan. We're just going to keep raising our prices. What? You want a degree so that you can make leather purses? Mm-hmm. I actually watched a girl who went $100,000 into debt to do just that. She mm-hmm. wanted to be her own business person. She already knew how to sew. Went $100,000 into debt to do that. The school's like, we know that you can get a loan for this, so we're going to you – know, Charge a hundred thousand right. dollars. That is insane. Right, a hundred thousand dollars because she wanted to make purses. What did she do? She went to school, put herself into debt. She can't get loans she needs for her actual business to buy the supplies she needs. She has to go get an I, I'm making air quotes a real a regular job, but not working for herself. She's she's having to put her dream on the back burner here because she's so far in debt. Because these colleges will give you any or not colleges, but the loans they will give you loans for just about any amount, even if it's in a, a perfect profession that isn't likely to pay back that loan very easily. Well, right. They don't care. Yeah. I know so many artists who have degrees um, for fine art or studio art or, or whatever, and they work at Macy's or something like that. I mean, this is a very, very common because they need to pay back those student loans. You would be better off. Get that job at Macy's now or wherever else. Save your money. Put it towards art supplies and art classes on the side. You don't need to do the degree. That way, when you are ready to start selling, when you're ready to really jump into this, you don't have $100,000 in debt standing in your way between you moving forward with your business or being held up paying back loans. You don't want to start your career off that way if you can avoid it. So yeah, that that would be my thing. And it drives me crazy. It's a real personal pet peeve, the way that we're setting people up, telling them that the only way to be successful is to go to college. That is absolutely not. I'm all for furthering your education, but it doesn't have to be through college. That's a lie right there. This idea that you can only do it through colleges, absolutely not. You can. There are plenty of different ways. There are trade schools. There are, I mean, maybe not for art, but there are people all over the place teaching. You just have to find that. Maybe it's going to be a challenge to find the right teacher, but join if you're in an area that has an art guild. I mean, there are a lot of different things that you can get involved with that will help you just as much, if not more than college without putting yourself into debt to do it. Yeah, I would say if, you, if you're if you feeling like, well, and she's not even talking about, um, I mean, this particular question and the comment is not from someone talking about going uh, and getting a BFA. But the, the thing is, I mean, just like anyone who is wanting to do that, I would recommend that, uh, you know, you 
you do, uh, you know, some art guilds and you join some art groups and things like that. And you meet face to face and you do. So there's discussion groups all over the place. I'm talking about even face to face that you could be involved in. But the other thing is that there are so many businesses now and uh, corporations that have dropped the requirement to have even a bachelor's degree. It's not as critical as it once was. They're starting to find out that the whole school system, and this this is sort of a paradigm shift that we're going through in this country, because we're trying to get away from bells. We're trying to get away from, you know, the structured setting that we've had for so long, for decades now. What it does and what it did do at the time was it prepared workers when they went to grade school and then high school prepared them to work in a factory. Well, we don't have all that many factories anymore. Most people are not getting factory jobs. It's not nothing wrong with it if you have a factory job. But most people coming out of high school and then college are going to they're going to be knowledge workers. And so we don't need a bell to tell us when to do this and that. And the same thing is happening, though, with college. It's like it's not preparing you for anything. It's preparing you, hopefully, how to think and how to get answers. Well, you know, you could figure that out on your own. And so I think that there's a litmus test that you could ask yourself certain questions about, am I able to be self-motivated? Am I able to create something out of nothing? I'm not talking about artwork. I'm talking about create a path for yourself or create a business plan and decide where you're going. I'm not talking about writing 100 pages either. I'm talking about just having something clear that you're going to work on and toward and then moving toward that thing. We live in one of the best time periods ever because we can do anything that we want, but we can't do everything. We can do a few things, you know, and I think a lot of times kids are told that and they're told that right out of college and inside of college, you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything that you want to do. You've got to decide on something, decide on a path and then go for that. And you can learn all these other things when you need to learn them, just in time learning, just do it as you need to learn it and then move forward with whatever it is you need to uh, do or whatever it is you're wanting to do. These goals that you have, have those goals, work towards those goals. Yeah. And don't ever feel like the fact that you didn't go to college, if, if assuming you're looking to be a, a, you know, fine art to be your profession, don't feel like that's, that's what's going to hold you back. I know plenty of people with degrees. Like I said, they're not even working in the, the, that field Most of anymore. Them are. Most or, people or at with all. a degree don't work in the field that they went to college for. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true. And it's definitely true for art. Um, and, and I don't, again, like what John said, I don't mean to, to say there's something wrong with you having gone to college. If you went to college, great. If you were able to afford it, great. Um, it's not like it hurts you. Sometimes it does hurt people, though, too, because it teaches them not to think sometimes. Depending on the degree path that you went in, but I'll just put it this way, and this is anecdotal, I know, but I've worked with a lot of people side by side on projects, and I, I would rather have somebody most of the time that had very little college to no college, but is able to think and is wickedly smart, someone who's intelligent and can think for themselves. Um, that's who I'd rather have. It's so funny you say that. Someone had left a comment on one of my videos. This was about acrylic painting recently. And I use water when I blend my acrylics. And her comment was, I was taught to never use water. And I'm thinking, you went to college, didn't you? 
This is typical. You get these college professors. We are just their ragging on college way. people right now. I know. And it's funny. So she says, I was taught to never use water, only use medium. Water just makes things messy and transparent. Also, I, I hate college, working on small canvases, even though I know I'm not that good. So she's telling people, <laughs> I was taught never to use this. I mean, I'm not very good, but I was taught to never. And I'm just oh, face palm, like, oh, my gosh, sweetie. Oh, please abandon what you were taught and start experimenting yeah, with your medium. Think, start playing think with on it. your own is the thing. I mean, yeah. I, that should be the key takeaway here. And it, you don't need someone. There's people in your life, I'm sure you're either married to one or you're related to one or you know someone who has been in the military. Now, some of those people, I'm not saying all, I'm not going to paint a, a broad brush here, but I know some people who have gone in the military and they come out and they have to have a job where they're told every little thing to do. I'm the opposite of that person. I, I don't like being told what to do. I'm sorry. That's just that's just me. I, I hate that. That's it's why I never really fit in the corporate world really well. Um, it's I'm sure why I didn't get promoted as often as I probably could have, because I I don't like being told what to do. I like to think for myself and uh, I don't like to follow every little rule. I like to think outside of what may be the norm. That's you know, it's sort of that test like I was talking about. You've, you've got to ask yourself, am I able to be self-disciplined enough to decide what my own path is or do I need someone to tell me everything to do? All right. So next. Do you need to tell your clients how many hours a commission takes you to finish? I'm not sure if maybe uh, this person was asked by the client how many hours or something like that, but no, of course not. You don't need to tell your client how many hours. It's sort of an irrelevant question. They commission you to create artwork. Um, they've seen some examples of your artwork, so they like the finished product. How you got there, that, that's not that's not important. I, I wouldn't understand why that would be important at all. Oh, I only do. That, only for the fact that maybe they are interested in the creation process, and maybe you're going to create you know, a, a video for them or a book or something like that, or some screenshots. I don't know, but it's sort of an irrelevant question. It is for the clients that I work for. They're trying to figure out how much you make an hour. Well, that's irrelevant. And so that, yeah, exactly. So I'm not, no, I, I won't tell you how many hours because you'll, they'll sit there and go, oh, you made $50 or a hundred dollars an hour. You know, you're paying yeah. for, you're not paying me an hourly wage. That is not how this works. You want to let a client know how long it'll take you as far as how many weeks or months, you know, you have your deadline when you'll have their artwork to them, but the hours, absolutely not. I would not give them that information. They're actually paying you for a lifetime of dedication and they're, they're paying you for so much more. I'm sorry if they think of it as, you know, you're an hourly uh, merchant or something. You're not. And I, no. and I think maybe we need to start changing that conversation a little bit. Um, that's not the client you want. You don't want a client that is asking about the hours involved to create something that, uh, you know, I, I think at that point, if I had someone asking me that, I think I would just say, you know, I, I'll be real honest. I've not ever had anybody say that to me. I've had people ask how long something took after I got something completed. But I, I think if I've heard that question beforehand, I would, I would, I think I would just say, maybe we're not a right fit, you know, because that that is not my clientele. That's not somebody that I want to work with either. And yeah, I better be making $100 an hour or more because you know what? I'm not working commissions eight hours a day. Exactly. 
Yeah, the only two, I've had two situations where people will ask me that. One or other artists. And that one I will answer because I understand why they're asking. They want to know, like, no, did you get artists. this done? You know, should this take me two hours yeah. to do something yeah, like that? Or should it take me two? So that I get and that I'll answer. But when it's clients, I just tell them, I'm not sure. I don't track the hours. I know that it's going to take me several months or, you know, whatever it is of several weeks yeah, to get right. finished. Um, but I will not break it down at all for any reason for a client for, by the hour. I think if I did have that question, I would at least ask, why are you wondering? What what does it matter? <laughs> I don't know. I've always, getting back to what we're talking about with college and stuff like that, I've always done jobs that I'm not qualified for at the beginning. You know, I just, I launch into something and start doing it, well, much like when I had a lawn care business. And, you know, I was a little kid, pretty much. I mean, I was in my 20s, but I, I you know, looking back, I was a kid. And I I did some things and I, I would learn some things back then. You know, you had to go to the library and learn about horticulture and figure out, you know, when when do you seed something and stuff like that. But I remember getting a question about um, some kind of flower bed arrangement. And they, they asked me how much I would uh, charge them to do all this work. And I quoted them some price. They said, you're making 80 an hour, whatever it was, you know. And it was the same kind of deal. I said, no, I was... I was giving you a quote for uh, this work. I said, I wasn't giving you an hourly rate, you know, because they said, well, it'll only take me this many hours to do it. Ultimately, I didn't do do that job. Yeah, go ahead and do it. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, it's such a weird question. Yeah. So our next question, if two artists use the same reference photo from a site like Pixabay, who holds the copyright? If both artists have permission to use the same photo... And they both copy it exactly. They both have copyright. I mean, it's a royalty-free photo they use. Now, on the flip side, let's say it was a photo of a turtle. And you both used that same turtle. But one of you did something super creative and had, I don't know, bunny ears and a city on the turtle's back. I don't know. I'm throwing random stuff out there. But did something like that. That artist has copyright to that design, even though they used both both use the same photo. But as far as they're both allowed to use that photo, they both used a royalty free. So it's not like the artist who did one can come back at the other and go, well, I did mine first. I have copyright. You can't use that. That's not how it works at all. Um, if you both have rights to do it, you both have, have the copyright to your own artwork, not to the photo that you chose to use, if that makes sense. Our question. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, the question. Okay. So you're saying that, that they're asking um, who has the copyright. They both to, use the same reference photo. But the reference photo so is royalty free. Yes. And they're asking who has a copyright to their own artwork? Yes. Okay. Each artist has the copyright to their own artwork in that case. Right. You can't come back to another artist who used the same reference photo legally, assuming it was all done legally. They, you can't go to that other artist and say, well, I drew that turtle. You can't draw that turtle now. What? Because they drew it first or something? Well, who would say that? That's just so odd. Oh, people do it all the time. So someone, someone would say, um, okay, I drew the turtle first, and so you can't draw it now. Yeah. Huh. Okay, I, I would so think if anything, uh, it, would, it would be such a a bold thing to say. Uh, you didn't even take the reference photo, so if you're using a royalty free reference photo and you're claiming that no one else can use that royalty free reference photo, that's essentially what you're claiming because no yeah, one's creating I, the artwork that you created. Yeah. You created your own artwork. I've actually had people too Crazy. get mad at other artists who who use the same reference photo I did and it looked just like mine. And that I've seen comments where they said, "Well, you just copied Lisa's." Well, no, we both used the same photo. We both had rights to that. Like, I don't get to tell them they can't draw the same thing. Right. Pro tip here: take your own reference photos. You won't have this problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. If I sell my drawing, do I have the right to make prints? Uh, yes, of course. It, it depends, I guess, if you if you put in, uh, you know, if you sold it and you said this is the original and I I will not make prints of it, and you stipulated that in some of the paperwork uh, or any other type of communication that you gave the person then I guess you wouldn't, but I always put in there that I, I own the copyright, put that in my documents that I give the client, and I let them know that there may be uh, derivative works even from this original drawing that I'm uh, selling to you. Yeah, and even if it's not in the paperwork, you would hold the copyright anyway. Yeah, you anyway. do anyway, it's- just because you created it. Yeah, it is yours. Now, the only exception for me that I don't do that with without getting permission from the person if somebody hired me for a commission is if it was a portrait. If they hired me to do a portrait of their child, I let them know I will be making a video of this. So, you know, that is going to happen. I will be using that photo will be all over the internet, but I won't make prints without letting them know first. That would just because that's kind of weird to make prints of someone else's kid or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would would even want that, you know. Yeah, exactly. But I just let them know, you know, there will be a video made of everything. In my case, if you're not okay with that, then I'm not the artist for you. Well, I don't do commissions anymore anyway, but I don't, you know, I just let them know with that. But yeah, no, you, you have the right to that. If somebody buys one of your paintings and then makes prints without your permission, they're in violation of copyright. They do not, just because they own the original does not mean they own the copyright unless you gave them permission. Yeah. And I stipulate that in my contract because a lot of, a lot of people i mean we know that but clients often don't know that and they'll go and make prints and things like that so yeah i if i were you i would stipulate that uh i do that just because i don't want there to be any confusion later on yeah i actually ran into a problem a while back with somebody i won't talk to anymore um she she hired me to draw it was her photo but she wanted a bunch of changes it was a dog she wanted a bow on the dog's neck she wanted all this other stuff which is what I did. Somebody asked her permission to use that painting in a tattoo, which is weird. Why would you do that? And she gave them permission without contacting me saying, what was my photo? No, she copied my painting. You can see it is this same. It is not from the photo. It is from my painting. It has the ribbon I put on the dog. It has all the extra things I did. That is from my painting. And she, well, what do you want me to do about it now? Well, I want you not to give people permission to use my painting because I did not get credit. They're giving credit to the tattoo artist. It wasn't his work. He copied my work, which is also a violation of copyright. It's derivative work now. But yeah. That is just, uh, see, this is where it it gets dicey, folks. I mean, you've got you've got a photo involved. You got an original artwork. Then uh, from that photo, then you have. A she had the right us. to give them permission to use her photo. She did not have the right to give them permission to use my painting right, right, as the reference. Right. And that's where the confusion there was. And I don't. We don't talk. She thinks that I was a horrible person for for even bringing it up. And it's like, Ugh. um, I what? So yeah, that that one was a that was an interesting one. Um. But I mean, that stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Putting it in the contract first, I think, is a way better idea because then you avoid those sorts of. Yeah, you can just say refer to the contract, um, you know, third paragraph or whatever. Our last question. How do you choose the best background or best background color for your subject? I cut out the subject in Photoshop and I 
try on different colors, different backgrounds, and just make the judgment there. And if I'm doing it as a commission for somebody, I just save each background option and send it to the client and let them choose their favorite so they can see what that would, you know, get an idea of what it would look like. But yeah, I, I design it. I, I test everything out in Photoshop before I ever start. That way there's no surprises later on down the road yeah. where I realize, oh, green was a really bad idea. Yeah, I've done that too. It's super easy to do. I mean, other than that, if you're talking about just how do you do it, how do you choose something? Um, I'm looking often, like for a portrait in particular, I'm looking for something that would offset uh, maybe the skin tone. Of, I've got a real warm color, then maybe I want to go with a cool background. Or if I like the particular color of the eyes or something, then maybe I'm going to do something that would bring out uh, perhaps the green in the eyes. Uh, something like that. But you you do want to give some forethought to this and make an intentional decision. Uh, I think there's nothing worse than seeing some bad backgrounds, and there's plenty of them out there. You look at the artwork and you're like, well, where's the subject? I'm distracted by this background. So you do want to you know, be careful about that and choose something that would make for a balanced composition and not something that overpowers the subject. A compliment to, you know, look at a, uh, an opposite color, a complementary color to whatever the main subject is, that's a good way to go. And that's a good way to start out. All right. So maybe you have an answer to one of these things that we talked about. and Or maybe you've got an entirely different opinion about apparently my uh, low opinion on going to college. <laughs> good grief. felt like we just ragged on college uh, today. But anyway, um, I hope this was helpful. And if you care to comment, you can always reach out through email podcast at sharpenedartist.com or the show notes sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. This is a weekly show. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.